0: Well, hello fellowship family. It's great to have you here today. If you visited with us uh, for your first time on Easter, welcome back uh, We're really a family here We're a family of uh, people who have found and are following Jesus Christ and I hope if you found him recently that you're uh, Here and ready to follow him because that's what we're all about And we're uh, doing a new series. You actually came at a great time because we're starting a new series this morning and uh it's it's uh, called decided and it's about making key decisions as a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, I think about the decisions I make uh, throughout a day and there's some that are kind of route, like driving to church. I know that route all the time. It takes me 7.25 minutes every day <laughs> there and back to get here and I know those decisions, they kind of just come, they're just right off the cuff. But there's other decisions that I make that are more difficult. That I'm tempted uh, to fear about or to be anxious about or to worry over and I kind of delay the tough Decisions sometimes to my peril because I end up worrying about those things. Hey, did anyone f- Finish their taxes yet? I mean don't raise your hand But for those of us who haven't I mean that's one of those decisions I better do Okay, because two things are certain death and taxes, right? And so you've got to pay those and those decisions uh, are, are something did you did you know and let me ask you this you you have some values that you have in your life to make decisions some some uh, kind of Leading values that you go to when you make an important decision a thought a belief a theme um, A fear that are behind all the yeses and nos of your decisions some of us have That value of pleasure. So anything that we have to do we just delay don't want to make a decision on that I want to get to do that. So we real quickly sign up and spend money on things that give us pleasure Some of us really want acceptance acceptance from other people. I mean take an experiment and go to a middle school lunchroom You'll know what acceptance is all about My hair needs to change my clothing needs to change my shoes need to change but honey, you never cared about what kind of jeans you wore. These ones cost a $1, thousand or a hundred dollars for a pair of jeans. <laughs> yeah, but mom, everyone's wearing them. You know that's that's acceptance. We change our behavior, we make decisions to be accepted. When you grow up, you just want respect, right? Uh, we, we're not like middle schoolers. It doesn't matter where we live, what car we drive, what clothing we wear, watches we carry, purses we carry. Yeah. Uh, It does right and we want respect so that value of respect influences our decision If we are people of high safety Doesn't matter what our car looks like we look for the safety rating, right? We want the least risk most secure highest percentages to meet our expectations when we're about safety If you're healthy you count calories, right? You look at nutrition You you look at the labels to look at the carbs and proteins and fat grams in everything you eat Those are values that influence your decisions. But did you realize that God has actually given us values in his word to help us make decisions, to guide us as we follow him? They're clearly revealed in his word. They're emphasized to us. They're reemphasized because they're important values. Like a loving, faithful father with his children. That's our heavenly father. So over the next several weeks, we want to share these values with you. We want to craft a vision for what it could look like in your life. And we want to invite everyone here to live these values as we follow Christ. The first value we're going to look at this week is the value of grace. Grace, it's a great word. What does it mean? Grace, just in a short, in a short definition, grace is God's free and undeserved love toward us. It's free. It's a gift. It's not a paycheck. It's not something you earn or deserve. It's freely given by God to us. Secondly, it's undeserved. Instead of payback from God when you mess up, God says, come back through grace. And he calls us to himself and he says, let's enjoy life together. Whatever you need, I've done for you. Come back. Grace is that invitation to come back to God. Now, this flies right in the face of our culture that prides itself on what you've done, what you've accomplished, what you have, where you stack up with everyone else. And there is a temptation in our lives to go by works instead of grace. That is actually the natural desire of us apart from Christ is to do things. Just try a little bit harder, just be better. And someday your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds and God will say you get in. That's not grace. God relates to us with grace. There's a uh, Presbyterian pastor and seminary professor who started a movement called Sonship. And it really talks about the beauty and the glory of God's grace in our lives. His name was Jack Miller. And he summarized the gospel in a very clear way. And I thought it was kind of interesting. He says this, cheer up. You are worse off than you think, but loved far more than you imagine. And that's the reality of grace in each of our lives. Is that we're worse off than we think. We're worse off than our world even casts us. we're worse off I'm sorry, than your Facebook posts show you to be. But you are loved far more than you could imagine. We're going to start at where we are. And Paul really constructs a wonderful picture for us for us in Ephesians chapter two. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter two. I believe this is one of the most beautiful passages in all of scripture. Some have said words are it's too wonderful for words. What's being described to us here, but we're going to try to reduce it a little bit to words so that we can understand it. Paul uh, started this church on a second missionary journey. He loved the, this group of people and he loved them enough to tell them the truth about who they were before Christ. And then he loved them enough to tell them who they were in christ And that's what this passage is going to show us It's going to show us the bad news about us and the good news about jesus Uh, As we read this it's not going to be pleasant So i'm going to ask you to just hang with us as we look at the realities You're not going to get this picture of humanity outside of a place like this outside of the scriptures and but we need to see the truth of it we need to have God, the great physician, kind of call our diagnosis, to call it the way he sees it before he can heal us. And there's all that. There's that picture in our lives of when we come to Christ, we've got to see us for who we are. So we really see the need of why Jesus had to come live a perfect life, die and rise from the dead. So let's take a look at that. This is who we were without Christ. Ephesians chapter two, beginning with verse one, it says this. And you were dead in the trespasses And sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of our body and the mind and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind thud right. Paul kind of says that you, we were there's three names to describe us before Christ came into our lives and the first one It's not a pretty one, but it's called dead Dead you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Let's talk about those two words trespasses and sin First one trespass if you're a hunter, you know what I mean You're hunting and you see the sign do not trespass What's every hunter tempted to do when they see that sign? I don't know if you like me. I'm tempted to go on that property. I mean, I kill anything. I just don't like the sign. I'll, I'll go where I want to go. Right. There's that that picture. And that's kind of an active disobedience to God's law in our lives. What he says. Hey, it's best that you don't do this. Whoa. Anyone I'm anyone says don't we go. Yes, yes, I will do that. It's just like, you know, it's almost sometimes when you're parenting, you, you got to be careful how many times you say no, because that kid wants to cross that line. There's always those line crossers and that leaves us dead to god The other one was sin and sin literally means missing the mark So you're targeting something that you miss because you're inadequate So you got the active and the passive angle of sin There's things that you do that you shouldn't and there's things that you should do that you miss and you don't do And that has led us overall condition in our lives is that we're dead in our transgressions and sin. But you go, Oh, Joe, I have a vibrant life. I'm active. I mean, and yes, you are. You can be very active as a dead person. I mean, our world right now is fascinated with zombies, right? What are they? You know, the walking dead that walk around like they're very active. Okay. But there's a pattern that they follow and there's a pattern to sin in our lives. Paul's going to detail that. But here, before we move on, it says, and once you used to walk, it's very active. You can be very active as someone who's dead to God because your life is away from him. Where there's no awareness of who he is, what he's about. There's no responsiveness to his word. And there's certainly no obedience to him. So here we are. We're dead. But yet we were created by God. We were created for God. But yet humanity wants nothing to do with God. Paul says another word. And that's a word called enslaved. Here we're in bondage. He says we're in bondage to three things. He kind of outlines them here. The world, the flesh, and Satan. Let's take a look at that first one. Here it says the course of the world. Here there's laws and practices and, pr- and, and patterns in our lives. Like when someone messes you. It messes up with you, and and uh, they've hurt you. What do you What are you tempted to do? Well, the pattern of this world says get them back, and so we have cycles of revenge running through this world. The the um in the world when when someone's insensitive to you and they aren't kind to you and they aren't uh, you know caring for you, especially in marriage. I mean, I see this over and over. I mean, we withhold love. Why? Because we want to make them pay. We want to punish them. And that's the pattern of this world. We continue there and he moves to the, the person behind this enslavement, the prince, the slave master here he shows as Satan. He calls him here the prince of the power of the air at work. He has a kingdom of darkness. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that he's blinded the eyes of the unbelievers that so that they're kept from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ. I mean, that's exactly where we are when we're enslaved and we're caught into sin. God is this, God is this person who we don't want because we've messed up. We've got to face his judgment. Oh, he, he's the bad guy. He's not the loving father. He's the guy who's limiting me, not the guy who's given me so many other blessings. He's the guy that's preventing me from living the life I want to live. And that's all because the role of Satan in our lives is really... Not only to try to destroy God and his word in our lives, but also to accuse us. How many times have you messed up where you just heard the voice in the back of your mind? You stink. You'll never measure up. What kind of Christian are you? That's Satan's role. He's the accuser of the brethren. And the book of Revelation chapter 12 says he will be he will be punished and God will punish him. Because there are this is personal. This is between Satan and God. And we are in the kingdom of darkness right now, bringing in the kingdom of light through Jesus Christ. But we're enslaved. And the last thing we're enslaved to is our desires. Desires were good. They were given to us by God. And they were meant to be satisfied in God, in his following his plan. But sin has come into our lives and it's taken these desires and it's perverted them. And instead of just using Food is something that we enjoy and are satisfying our hunger. Uh, many of us was just worship food. Or if it's material things and we just go after the next gadget. Or if it's relationship, we can just be caught in a cycle of just sleeping all around. Just so we can have pleasure in our lives. It's good desires, but it's broken. They're broken and they pursue all the counterfeits rather than God's ways. And they affect not just your body, but also your mind. The way you even process life is affected by sin in us. So we're enslaved. Fallen. And then the last word, and it doesn't get any better, but here it is. It's condemned. It's condemned. Here Paul says, you were children of wrath. Wow, that's so strong, isn't it? But God firmly stands against the things that tear us apart. He hates evil. In our lives And so he's uncompromised He's resolved to destroy it And play no favorites Romans 3.23 says For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God It's not a pretty picture But it's truth Outside of Christ Humanity is dead Enslaved and condemned Folks I'm sorry You weren't expecting this On a beautiful Sunday morning In Topeka, Kansas But We really are worse off than we think all amidst the world that says, hey, Joe, you're not that bad. Look at how big your church is, man. You're doing something right. Look at all the people who come. No, I'm worse off than I think. Oh, but you're the CEO. I mean, no one in your family went as far as you did. No one has taken. You're the first college educated person. You're not that bad. I mean, look at the house you live in. Look at the car you drive. Look at how successful No, you're worse off than you think And i'm thankful that's actually even a part of grace that god doesn't show the full darkness of who I am Because I think I wouldn't get up in the morning But the reality is the more you try to be good even with works The more it becomes an incessant whisper to a to a loud shout You're not good enough We're dead enslaved condemned Okay, let's pray the service is over (laughs) Yeah No, because because paul is intentional. He shows us who we once were But then he calls us back to god and and this is where salvation is But we've got to see the backdrop of sin or should I say the black drop of sin in our lives To show and expose us for who we are So that we see what god really did By the way, that's where works leave us. You may have been in a works-based church Come here or else God will get you. You better do this or else your life is not going to get a blessing. I mean, we all have backgrounds of churches that have might have hurt us if we've gone to churches for a long time. Or maybe it's just your view of Christianity that you just got to keep trying. But folks, that's where it leaves you. Leaves you dead, enslaved and condemned. Let's look at verse four because that's where salvation is. Two words, but God. Aren't you thankful for those two words this morning? Let's look at verse four. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here is the hope of the gospel, folks. When you see you yourself for who you really are, you need to run to something, right? And that's what many of us have had the pattern of in our lives. Apart from Christ, we've seen the brokenness within. We can't really change that. So we run to something. For some of us, it's been drugs and alcohol. For some, it's just the next relationship. For some, it's the next job, the next, next house, next car, next friendship. We run to all those little counter, counterfeits when, when we have God saying, but I did that for you. I, I'm calling you back here. Come back to me. And when you come back to Jesus, when you put your faith and trust in him, he gives you new names. You're no longer dead. Here's the first thing he calls you. He calls you alive. I like how Paul kind of delayed the good news here. He says, you were once dead. It got it went from bad to worse, didn't it? But then he said. But God, I mean, God's rich in mercy, has incredible kindness, He has incredible love. He made you alive to come five verses to tell us it. But it brings us to the end of ourselves and it begins with God. It's all about God and God made us alive, alive in Christ. You know, um, we have a guy who sits in our, our five o'clock service. He sits right about there. His name is Rob Davis. And one day Rob was sitting in his living room, and had a massive um, heart attack and and collapsed and everything stopped. He died now. He didn't go to heaven and write a book about it. Okay He just was there and the paramedics came about 25 minutes later They revived him but his life was on, on life support in the intensive care unit at Snormont Vale here and um, His family came in from all around the country and they were gonna unplug the, the whole life support system and his wife, Lisa, came in. We were praying with her. Their small group just rose up around him and loved him through this time. And they came to church one Sunday. And I remember out in the lobby there, we just did the holy huddle and we prayed and we lifted up Rob. And we said, God, we'll give you the glory if you if you save him. But we'll also give you the glory if you take him. And um, God's grace came in. And while we were worshiping, Rob came awake. And they took him off life support and he's living every time I preach I almost want to say and and you wouldn't really follow me. I just go rob you were once dead, but now you're alive <laughs> I always wanted to do that every time I see him. I see the power of god in his life Now folks just listen here Think about it. That's you. That's you every day you wake up. You were once dead in your sins Now you're alive to god in jesus christ. It's all his doing It's all he's doing. We need to get a little bit more excited about that. We need to come alive a little bit more. And then the second thing is, is that we're loved. It all talks about but God. And it talks about who this God is. And he's a God of love. He saw us in our condition. He never denied our condition. But his love motivated us to take compassion on us. He motivated him. It motivated him to look at us and take pity on us. And do something about it And so that's why jesus had to come Jesus had to come because you and I couldn't live the perfect life. Jesus did Jesus had to come because you and I even with our deaths could not satisfy the wrath of god That's why the cross never gets old to a christian Because it reminds us of the work of jesus on the cross when he Died on the cross god said paid in full I won't take out my anger or wrath on you or you You're no longer, I'm no longer against you. I'm for you. Trust in my work, not in yours. And he didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day. And because of that, we not only have eternal life, but we have the power to move us out of being enslaved to sin, to being alive and loved by God. That's who you are. You are loved. That's your identity. Paul says with God's great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead And dead to him Even when we were still in our trespasses and sin god loved us He didn't wait for you to be good enough before he loved you He loved you because he's a loving god and loving people don't need reasons He loved I'll never figure out why god stays with me and loves me and neither will you trust me trust me It won't but we have to realize someday I wake up and go He loves us if you have a child and your kid said, "Hey, Dad, I really messed up. Do you still love me?" Of course, he goes, "Of course, my love doesn't change by what you do." Now, as broken fathers, our anger changes from time to time, but ultimately, we want to reflect the love of our heavenly Father when our kids mess up. And then it says, "Here's something even uh, even awesome, more awesomeness is that he says that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us." In Christ Jesus, in other words, it's almost like, like God is raising us up together with Christ saying look at my grace displayed in that person See this person, you know their story <laughs> It's pretty bad But my grace came into their lives and it changed them. I loved them This person hated me and now this person loves me That's my work God's grace is powerful and it puts you before you're anything else in this in this life. Consider yourself loved by God. That's something I've got to remember every day. That's something that moves me away from works and into grace. For by grace, you've been saved. God's stubborn, unrelenting, faithful love for you. Another word I want you to look at actually three of them is if you just take a look in that passage we read together, you're together. You're with Christ. You're in Christ. Those are words where you're never alone with Jesus in your life. Never alone. And yet, those three words that describe you before Christ are alone words, right? You die alone. You're enslaved alone. And you're condemned alone. I mean, those are words that you just feel alone with. But now, now we've been made alive. We've been put in a loving family The family of God through Jesus Christ. And you're called to be loved. Never forget that. And there's a longing in our world right now. There's a longing to be together with. And here it is. It's a longing to be on a winning team. You guys know that, right? KU lost last weekend, right? You know that. You lost last weekend, right? They're my team. I mean, I don't necessarily do that, although I like KU. Um, I... I tend to love the Packers because I believe that Aaron Rodgers is God's anointed. I really do. So when the Packers lose, I lose. I lose, man. It's like, man, God, I prayed this morning asking for a Packer win. Keep Satan. I'm the Vikings. I mean, God will win. And I make all those excuses and I find my desire to want to win with the winning team. I mean, nothing could be worse today than waking up an OU fan. Nothing could be worse. (laughs) But our reality comes down to a point where we might want to step away from our drive to support and to have that competitive spirit with a professional or collegiate or maybe even your kids and their drive to glory in their winning when Jesus has already won. Folks, I've read the end of the story, and we win. That's sure. That's final. When you're with Jesus, you're loved. You don't have to earn it anymore. Be his child. Walk with him. He's a loving, caring father. No, I don't understand everything about what God calls me to do. I don't understand all the whys of why God calls me to obey him. But I've just learned over time that I'm better off when I follow him than when I live in deadness, enslaved to this world. And so live as a loved child of God. And another word that we're called here is you're God's workmanship, you're god's workmanship and and uh, the word here is called poema, which literally means a masterpiece a work of art We get the word poetry out of that word And it's it's the picture of a you're an artistic expression of the glory and the creativity of god You're alive You're loved And you're not to the side you're right in the middle of what god is doing his Redemptive activity in our lives. That's recreating you. This is all a work of god It's not your own work I've had the opportunity to travel to different museums and to see incredible works of art and i've never gone I really like the canvas on that one or that frame. Oh, it's a beautiful frame on the mona lisa That's what gives it all its worth is that frame. No, no frames part of it The canvas was used but who do we give the credit to the artist and your life? Is, is the canvas for God to reveal who he is to the rest of the world. You're his workmanship. And by the way, he's not done working on us. Aren't you glad? <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot of work to do on me still. He's, we're his workmanship. He's continue working out. and And he's actually called us then, and he's told us, you're not saved by good works, but you're saved to good works. You're saved to work in god's plan to be a part of his work It's all by grace, but god's called you then to reflect him not to go passive I mean so many christians I grew up with would just you know Charge the visa card of grace because they knew at the end of their lives. Jesus was going to cover it You don't understand grace when you live like that I can live however. I want to live here on earth because i've got jesus you don't I mean That's not the attitude. You don't understand grace and, and I question whether if you really understand the work of Jesus in your life. Because he not only saves you. He sets you apart for his good works. His good works that Jesus, Jesus showed us the way. Jesus showed us or gave us the truth. Jesus showed us the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he shows us how to walk in him. That we should walk in those good works. So remember that. Works-based life, dead, enslaved, condemned. These are the values of the world. When you work your way or try to work your way to God, when you live your life expecting others to work their way or for you to work your way into success, look out. You will be exhausted. It will suck the life out of you. It will exploit you and reject you and spit you out and religions that are based on works you will walk away from they will be the have-tos of life there will be no joy you will be enslaved to them but grace says you get to <laughs> you get to be alive you get to be loved by your heavenly father you, you get to be god's workmanship In this life, these are values from God, they're life giving these God breathing into and they're motivated by love. It's always a work of restoration in our lives, but it's pointing to even a greater restoration when Jesus returns and fully restores us to a new creation who he's creating us ultimately to be. So how do you want to live just before we go on? How do you want to live grace or works? I'm going to give you an answer at the end of my message and the decision that I'm going to call you to really live a decided life on is that you have decided to live by grace or by works. Those are the two alternatives you have and I want to call you to grace. See, I gave you the final answer, right? There will be a test by the end. Um, (laughs) Jesus told a story in Matthew 18. If you have your Bibles, flip over there. Matthew 18, verse 9. And Jesus is going to show us The difference that happens in our lives when we live either by grace or by works. And he's going to tell a parable and a parable always wanted to highlight a higher teaching when Jesus told it. And he's going to even kind of disclose this is probably one of the most descriptive parables about Jesus. He didn't want us to miss it. So he explains it before and after he teaches it. So I think it's pretty good. That we have a clear teaching on a life of grace or works here are the two There are two people he says in verse 9 He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt Here's the story verse 10 Two men went up into the temple to pray One a pharisee the other a tax collector The pharisee standing by himself prayed thus god I thank you that I am not like the other men Extortioners unjust adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week I give tithes of all I get stop right. Jesus is saying stop I don't want to share even anymore that that's who you don't want to be but then keep reading verse Verse 11 or 13, but the tax collector Standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but rather beat his breast saying god Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, this man being the tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the other being the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus is going to show us to live our lives by works or by grace. But he kind of does a cultural shift on who he even uses as descriptors for those lives. Because if we say You want to live by grace live like a pharisee. I mean, it's a spiritual person He goes to church every weekend. I mean he prays. He's a really spiritual guy looks really good And everyone's listening to him on how to how to please god how to be righteous before god But jesus says no, 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 no. I know the heart I hear the prayers (laughs) I know what's going on and this pharisee was living by works There's two things that mark your life when you live by works one is you're trying you're always trying in your own righteousness And number two you treat others with contempt In other words, you're always analyzing your life. Where do I stack up? I'm tempted to do this I'm Tempted to do this. Where, do, where are the guys who are 50? Where are they in life? How much do they make? Where do they live what they're Does their family look like we're tempted when we live by works to live like that? Take a look at it. There's the Pharisee, right? The Pharisee was living with works. Look at how he was trying. He was saying, God, I fast twice a week. I mean, no food. I mean, how many of you could do that? I do it twice a week, not just once, as we're kind of called to. I do it twice. I'm double. I'm double the works and performance. And I give a tithe of all I get. Ha, in other words, God, look at me. Look what I'm doing. You ought to like me. You ought to prove of me. Here I am. And that's the problem with works. Works always distort the view of yourself and cloud the view of God. And and uh, and we kind of, after we stack ourselves up, we kind of leave ourselves saying, I'm just not that bad. And And what we do then is we rob God the opportunity to save us we discount the work of Jesus that if we could be good enough he would have never had to come folks we need him you were once dead you were once enslaved you were once condemned and secondly it doesn't it's not just between our relationship with god it's actually our relationship with people around us look at how if if this could be put into a movie look at how the scene goes it starts out god I'm thankful you see just this Pharisee lifting up his head in confidence. I thank you that I'm not like an extortioner, an adulterer, or someone else, or and then it pans in. This tax collector. See how it goes? It's almost a bum 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 kind of moment. But look at it, we all have our lists, right? Okay, God, I messed up. But I was faithful to my wife this week. Was an adulterer. Thankful, not that. God I I gave in the offering. I'm not like the person who spends it all and gets into debt. I'm just not We all have our lists. You've just made them. I may have a different list, and they're all sins you're not struggling with today. Cuz that's where we can build our confidence. And so it treats we treat others as we're not as bad as them. And then it's also personal when we live because there's always someone whether you're married to them, whether they're your children, Whether they're in your family or whether you live or work around them They're always someone who's worse than you. They're always falling short of your expectations And they always feel guilt and shame That's the life of someone who lives next to a person With works and I wish I could tell you I was better than that But there have been times and days I've woken up and said today. I'll live by works So wife you're not good enough right now I'm disappointed in you kids He didn't measure up to my expectations and those are where we have regrets Because there's so many contradictions in a person of works And and what we try to do is we try to hide and we try to cover our problems By pointing out other people's problems and that is a cancer to your faith And that's a cancer in a church We can't afford to live by works folks. We can't win with works And so now we have the way of grace. And it's not elaborate. It's a really simple faith here. It's expressed in one sentence. You've got a tax collector. They were despised, by the way, because they were in with Rome and they were they were kind of exploiting uh, the Jews to pay their taxes to Rome. And neither do we uh, usually enjoy spending time with an IRS auditor, but they went to church and they prayed. And he said this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Simple prayer, isn't it? But it reveals a person led by grace and not works. Two things that are evident here. Number one, the way of grace is turning from self-righteousness. What did the tax collector call himself? A sinner. Can't measure up. He may have not been as worse as he could be. None of us usually are, but he realized he was a sinner and he needed forgiveness. And that's where he went from turning not just from his own righteousness but trusting in Christ for his righteousness. A simple prayer, God be merciful to me a sinner. Folks, grace calls us to humble ourselves, turn from our way to trust in the works of Jesus. By grace you have been saved. It's not of your works. Not of works so that no one can boast before God folks. The ground is level at the cross We're not here because we deserve this We're not here because we've been good enough. We're here because we all need jesus That's what this family is all about. It's gonna be a family about grace But there's never a day that we wake up that we don't decide Will I be grace or will I be about works? Can I ask you that question again? Have you decided to live by grace? I want you to look at your notes, and if you've been filling them out, I'll be grading that. You'll get extra points with me, but absolutely nothing from God. <laughs> but, but think about that. Circle which one you want to live. And by the way, I gave you the answer. I gave you the answer multiple times, so it shouldn't be hard. But you know what? Some of us just have to live that. We've got to live that life of works to get to the end of ourselves before we begin living by grace. Can I save you a whole bunch of life? live by grace today. Now is the best time to live by grace. Think about all the relationships that will benefit. Think about your own relationship with the Lord that will benefit because of grace. Be that person of grace. We're going to celebrate god's grace in our lives and we're going to begin with communion Some of you have a background that it's the lord's supper or the lord's table here It's called communion because we recognize that we've been paired together with jesus through his death and sacrifice for us And I would invite you if you've turned from your own way to trust in the only one who can save you His name is jesus I want you to write now just to think about anything and confess anything to God right now that clouds the grace of God in your life. Confess it. So that you can clearly see Jesus, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Take this only if you've stopped trying and you started to trust. Whether or not you go to this church regularly, that's not a requirement for communion. It's whether or not you've turned from your righteousness to trust and the only one who is good enough, who is perfect, Jesus. Trust him. Even if it's the first time you believe that, take this with us because you're proclaiming, it's not my works, it's the work of Jesus in my life. You're going to take two elements. One is a representing uh, bread or a wafer here, and that, that represents the body of Jesus that was given for you. You needed him to die for you. Secondly, the second is the cup. And that's a new covenant forged by the blood of Jesus Christ. But it's a new covenant of grace no longer works. So Jesus is really saying through this. Remember, it's by grace alone. You've been saved. If you believe that, take this. If you don't yet believe that, let this pass by. This would be a meaningless ritual. And no one's going to go, oh, you didn't take it. Don't worry. They're just glad you're here. And you're hearing about jesus So so take this if you believe that i'm going to invite you after I pray to just hang on to these elements So that we can take them together as a family. Let's pray Father guide us and direct us into grace When tempted to work our way to you to try on our own and to devalue others to inflate ourselves Stop us stop us Show us we're worse off without you than we think And when we mess up, when we sin, we need a greater picture of your love than we hold. Show us we are loved by you far more than we imagine. Help us to run to your grace and live in your grace. And we thank you, Jesus, for being the author and perfecter of our faith. It's his name we pray. Amen.